Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer. After weeks of pressure and protest by parents and coaches, California health officials have released guidelines for resuming high-contact high school sports like football and lacrosse. Based on COVID statistics, most Bay Area counties will be eligible to start practicing and competition, but with restrictions. This hour, we'll hear what high school athletics in the midst of a pandemic will look like, what parents, players, and coaches need to know, and of course, we'll take your questions about the return of some high-contact sports, even as many students continue distance learning. That's all ahead on Forum, right after this news. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Scott Schaefer. Here this week, as KQED begins the search to find a permanent host for the 9 o'clock hour after Michael Krasny's retirement, Mina Kim has been named the permanent host of the statewide 10 to 11 o'clock hour. Until we find a permanent new host for the 9 a.m. hour, we'll be bringing you lots of different voices and perspectives in this first hour, which brings us to our topic right now, and that is resuming high school sports as we continue dealing with the pandemic. On Friday, as you may have heard, the California California Department of Public Health released updated guidelines for organized youth and adult sports, outdoor high and moderate contact sports like football, lacrosse and water polo may resume as soon as this Friday, but only in counties with low coronavirus infection rates, which right now includes most of the Bay Area. This hour, we're going to flesh out those updated guidelines, including what safety measures will be taken to keep athletes and coaches safe. Joining us first is Jonah Myers. He is a fifth grader at Star Academy. That's a public charter school in Sacramento, and he's a basketball player. Hey, Jonah, good morning. Hello, good morning. Hey, so when's the last time you got to play basketball with your team? I'd say it was about February um, of last year when we won the championship. Oh, you had to slip in that you won the championship. So you must be itching to get back. What have you been doing in the meantime, like for the past year? Um, in terms of basketball, I months I, yeah, I for the first couple of months I didn't do anything, but now I I like go out to my driveway and we we get out my hoop and I play and I practice, you know, my free throws and layups, and sometimes my friends and I, but we're wearing masks. We play horse and just play like regular games, like two on two together. Yeah, fun, but not the same thing, huh? Mm-hmm. So your sport, yes. basketball, is not one of those uh, sports because it's mostly played indoors that is going to be getting the green light. How do, you, how do you feel about that? I feel really disappointed, you know. 
when I heard that sports might be coming back, I was excited. But then, you know, since basketball can't come back because it's an indoor sport, I was really sad. Do you have friends who play football or some of those other sports that are going to get to start playing again? Yeah, some of my friends play baseball, and um, one of my friends is still playing baseball right now. He's like, that's his only sport. Yeah, that's like the perfect sport for social distancing, right? <laughs> Bases are all far mm-hmm. apart, outfield. So how do you how do you feel, have adults, how have adults handled this, do you think? Have they been too strict uh, in keeping you and your friends from playing basketball inside, or do you think they've handled it just about right? Probably just about right. We're not, like, not wearing masks, but we're not just, like, playing it soup. We're not just, like, taking as much precautions as we can. We're, like, staying six feet apart, wearing masks, and, yeah. So you're doing all that you can to keep that infection rate low. Uh, And so Sacramento, the county that you're in, actually is not yet low enough to begin sports, although I guess they're hoping that that will come down enough by Friday. Uh, And so what are you going to do in the meantime? Just keep uh, playing horse and two-on-two on your driveway or wherever it is you're playing? Yep. Just right. got to keep on practicing because if I don't and the season comes back, I'll be really bad. But if I keep <laughs> on practicing, I'll be well, pretty good when the season comes back. So some people might not have practiced, and I will have practice. Yeah. That's going to be a good advantage. All right. Well, I, you, know, you, you run that championship team. I'm sure you're going to keep your skills sharp. Jonah Myers, thank you so much for joining us. And I guess you have to go back to school cl- classes now. So sorry about that. But uh, thanks for talking to us about basketball. No problem. Um, Thanks for having me here. All right, you bet. All right, well, let's expand the conversation out a bit. Uh, Joining us now, Dr. Nirav Pandya. He's Director of Pediatric Sports Medicine and Chief of Pediatric Orthopedic Surgery at USF. Dr. Pandya, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Also here is Joe Bates, head football coach from Skyline High School in Oakland. Joe Bates, welcome to you as well. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, uh, doctor, why don't you, if you could, just what are the what are these new guidelines as you understand them? No, absolutely. Obviously, it can be very kind of confusing and, and a lot to kind of take in for for the general public. But kind of taking a ten thousand square foot view, I think with community numbers down now, the CDPH gave out guidelines and kind of a framework for how people can be playing sports. So I think in general, they kind of group sports into outdoor and indoor, and then low, moderate, and high risk sports. And I think. Some of the low-risk outdoor sports like cross-country and track can go on. Some outdoor sports that are more moderate contact where contact can be incidental, such as baseball, uh, sports like that are are now allowed. But I think the key is the outdoor high-contact sports, such as football, rugby, and water polo are being allowed now. And in counties where the adjusted case rate is less than 14 per 100,000, those sports are going to be allowed starting February 26. And I think the key component is that for those outdoor high contact sports, uh, testing is going to be part of a weekly process to keep everyone safe. So it provides a framework for getting kids healthy and active. And now each individual school is going to have to put together a framework for how they can make sure that the kids are safe. And when you say testing, uh, do you mean once a week, like when, before there's a competition, after there's a competition? Why just once? 
Well, I think, you know, part of it is, is a logistical issue as well, too. I know that uh, Governor Newsom did say that the, the state would pay for it. Um, and I think when you, when you have a, a relatively low risk group, such as young athletes, the ability to catch asymptomatic patients um, once a week is, is the thing that's most tangible. So you're able to catch those people who may not be symptomatic. So obviously, you know, the infrastructure and finances needed to be testing like the professional leagues would place a large burden on these schools and state. But I think that we're going to be able to catch uh, patients who are asymptomatic with this once a week testing, given the confines of, of how many schools and how many kids and how many athletes are out there. And uh, Joe Bates, uh, what was your reaction when you finally heard that there was a, a date final for this to resume? My reaction, I, I was pretty excited, uh, to be honest with you. We've been going through so much uh, um, in terms of um, keeping, the, keeping the young men engaged, um, keeping them interested. Uh, we've lost a few kids. to uh, A couple of kids dropped out. Uh, we lost a kid. to One kid died. Uh, was, mm. was killed in his hood. Um, so we just just having the ability to kind of have these boys around um, uh, a bunch of mentors and, and the men that we have guiding this program um, was extremely exciting for us. Well, and everything you said just there is a reminder that uh, high school athletics is really about much more than just winning games and competition. It's about uh, all kinds of other things that go into the physical and mental development of these young men. Definitely, definitely. And we thrive on that. I mean, we use we utilize their interest, um, their natural interest in the sport to kind of gauge those um, those life, get the life skills kind of instilled into them and um, and uh, also give them great experiences and, you know, and celebratory things like, um, you know, rewarding um, um, great performances in a classroom and, and, and um, you know, pushing efforts like, hey, go. Uh, do something different at home, like take the trash out. If you don't, if that's not a routine of yours, make sure that you guys kind of surprise your parents or guardians or whoever you're living with and uh, do things like that. But we try to utilize our platform to kind of push um, natural life skill things um, and also communicating character building and things like that. So. And, and Joe, were you part of this Let's Play California? I think I think that was the name of it, this sort of group uh, that coaches and, and uh, parents and others formed to kind of create some uh, political pressure on the politicians. Were you part of that? Yes, sir, I was. I, I was a late bloomer into that uh, movement. Uh, Coach Patrick Walsh out in, uh, I forget where uh, Sarah High School is, is located, but he's the head football coach there. But um, he brought us on. Um, he has these different teams. He has a SEAL Team 1 through 5, um, and we were part of SEAL Team 4, which was a, a push for inner city coaches to kind of share their narrative. Um, um, so it was myself, Coach Washington at Castlemont, Coach Jackson at Richmond High, and another coach at Crenshaw in L.A., um, pushing to kind of just share the inner city narrative um, of what's been going on through COVID. Um, so, yeah, I was part of that movement, and um, and and we we're extremely excited to hear that news uh, from, the, from the governor recently, um, from all the efforts that we put in in the last couple of months. So, uh, and, and when you say, you know, share the inner city narrative about COVID, tell me how you how that's relevant to the restarting of sports. Well, initially, Coach Wash was, he, he, you know, they, I guess he met with the other team members. It was 30 of us that was in the uh, 30 coaches in California that, that were in the push. Um, but I guess something came up at one point with them, with that. I guess at the time it was 20, 28 or 27 coaches. And they're like, you know, we're sharing this narrative, but it's coming from a lot of private schools, um, a lot of, a lot of, <clears throat> 
families and, and, and student athletes that may or may not be in, in some affluent neighborhoods and things like that. So they were like, we're not getting much of a push. Let's try that. Let's try to share the story from the inner city perspective. I must try to get some 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 uh, coaches from those um, communities to try to share what they've been going through because um, they didn't they didn't feel represented all the way. So that's kind of where we came in and um, we started to give our story. And, and unfortunately, they, they got a bunch of data. They got 700 coaches to give data over a million workouts over the last, I guess, 11 months. Um, but inner city coaches were kind of left out of that data. Um, not purposely, but we just weren't engaged into the data collection as much as um, probably they would have liked. So it was a good push. Um, I think that we were able to kind of tell our story and, and, and it was a little deeper than people thought um, in terms of the, the mental health for everyone. That's for any neighborhood, any community or whatever. But um, it was a lot of things in, in, in neighborhoods and the additional things that I don't think that um, the government or um, yes, the government didn't really kind of. Um, take note of initially yeah well you got to be at the table in order to get that voice heard so it's good you were there right. i want to ask you uh, dr pandya because there was this political element to it governor newsom very much felt the pressure from parents and coaches and others to uh, get this going do you do you feel that this decision last week by the health department is based on data and science how confident of that are you I feel very confident. I know the people at the CDPH are, are trying to make decisions based on data. And I understand that there's intertwined with, with bringing back activities in all parts of our community. There is a political component. But I think that a couple of different things happen that show that this is really based on data. Number one is that the decision to return to sports was made with case counts going down, with hospitalizations going down. And the one thing we do know now with good data is that a lot of transmission isn't occurring on the field. It's occurring from what's going on in the community. And we know the community rates reflect rates amongst athletes. So I think that's the most important thing. And also I think a lot of the data from other states that were playing sports really were just on field transmission data and not necessarily looking at how these athletes interface with their community. So I think the combination of having all that data as well as professional athlete data, the NFL, the NBA, et cetera, and kind of what their experience are. All that helps. Allow the state allowed that to make a yeah exactly to help make a make a good decision to yeah. keep our community safe all right we're going to continue this conversation if you're an athlete or a parent what do you think of the loosening pandemic restrictions on high school sports give us a call right now at 866-733-6786 again 866-733-6786 you can email us also forum at kqed.org or find us on twitter and facebook we're at kqed forum i'm scott schaefer join us for more of this really talker it's a talker of a topic stay with us Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here this hour. We're talking about the new rules for high-contact high school sports like football, rugby, lacrosse, water polo. Uh, as of this Friday, uh, a lot of counties will begin if they're uh, in the uh, low 
transmission rate of COVID. They'll be able to begin uh, practicing once again. Our guest this hour, Dr. Nirav Pandya. He is Director of Pediatric Sports Medicine and Chief of Pediatric Orthopedic Surgery at UCSF. Also with us, Joe Bates, head football coach at Skyline High School in Oakland. We'd love to hear from you, parents, coaches, teachers, kids. Uh, give us a ring at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also email your questions to forum at kqed.org, or if you prefer, get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. And um, Dr. Pandya, let me ask you, There's uh, the sports that have been sort of most widely named are football, lacrosse, water polo, um, field hockey, things that are high-contact sports but can be played outside, but those aren't all the same. And I'm wondering just like, you know, one of the, how, how should teams and players expect to deal with just the basic issue of mask wearing? During those, uh, during during those, during practice, during competition, you know, how, are those rules going to be uniform, or do they kind of have to be figured out as teams go along? I think a lot of it's going to be, uh, you know, be figured out as we go along. I think in general, during competition, it, it's obviously it's very difficult to wear masks, and, and a mask that's very wet doesn't really <laughs> help to prevent transmission. So I think a lot of the the kind of guidance will be up to the individual schools and the coaches. But I think the general principle is that when kids aren't playing or exerting themselves, whether that be on the sideline or kind of, you know, learning about the skills, et cetera, they should be wearing the mask. But I think it will be kind of something that each coach and each family and each each school has to make as they go along, using a lot of the principles that we've used in the pandemic about social distancing and mask wearing as much as possible. You mentioned that the masks don't do so well when they're wet. I have actually played water polo. I haven't played in over a year now. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't wear that at any point, whether you're practicing or competition. So you're just going to have to make sort of certain accommodations sport by sport, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah, there will be some accommodations have to be made. But I think more important for, for a lot of these athletes is that because the during the game or on field transmission is so low, where really everyone needs to be vigilant is afterwards. It's after practice. Are they gathering? Are they doing things you know with their friends afterwards? And if we can kind of be very vigilant in those settings, I'm pretty confident that the on field transmission rates, if you can or can't wear the mask, are going to be pretty low. Joe Bates, what uh, you mentioned, I think it was you, it might have been Dr. Pond, you mentioned the, uh, the, the professional sports, the NBA, the NFL have resumed play this past uh, year and did so fairly successfully for the most part. Um, what role do you think there is for professional athletes in terms of sending the right signal to all of us, really, but in this case, high school players, coaches, and parents? Yes, um, I in that in that context I, I feel like social media is a big deal um a lot of these uh athletes professional athletes they go on social media and, and you know some of them are at parties and um and other ones others are, are promoting the distancing and and um properly wearing your mask and things like that so i i mentioned that just simply because of the youth and and the idle time and, and at home schooling that a lot of them are going through right now experiencing right now um they're they're on social media so I hate to say it, but it's kind of driving. Um, it's kind of a leader in um, um, in developing our young people these days. So, um, I, I I would say social media for professional athletes, and also what's what's televised. Um, of course, I mean obviously, um, I see a lot of the professional athletes when they come off of the court or off of the field, um, they are putting the mask on. Um, I know a couple of head coaches were were penalized, assistant coaches were uh, teams were. 
uh, fined for not wearing their mask at certain points. So um, that kind of tightened up that that performance from the coaching um, standpoint. So I'm interested to see how how our district and our league and and leagues across the Bay Area uh, deal with with uh, or handle or, or set up the procedures and things like that for, for for the season coming up. Yeah. Well, and then there's of course the question, Dr. Pandya, of enforcement. I mean, obviously these are guidelines. You don't want to have uh, health officials necessarily, you know, walking around the the sidelines at a football game, you know, fining people, right? I mean, it's really you're laying out the guidelines and you're hoping everyone follows them to a certain extent. Absolutely. And, and I think that's really key is that it, it's, you know, you're hoping that each individual school or, or coaches like Coach Bates are able to set up and have the infrastructure to do it. But I do agree, it's going to take each individual school, um, you know, holding these values and, and making sure they're following things as much as they can. All right, let's bring our listeners into this. And again, the number to call is 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. And let's start in Castro Valley and Elaine. Welcome to Forum. Hi, thank you. Um, my son uh, plays for the Fishboat Dow basketball team, and they were um, one game away from the state open division uh, championship in 2019 when they pulled the plug on sports. They spent a year with no development, and these young men have worked and trained for over a decade. Uh, and more so in, in many cases, to um, find a path for themselves to college. That's the promise that they're given by their coaches. And now they've spent a year with no development where the rest of the country, well, not the rest of the country, but many places, um, kids have been able to participate in sports. So they're at a severe disadvantage at this point. I'm so glad that they're going to be able to go back, but who knows what it's actually going to look like. And who knows how the, the college coaches are going to um, receive these, these student-athletes. Oh, and if those are... For, um, yeah. Thank, thanks so much for that question that, and those comments. That's a really, those are really important. And let me just ask you, Joe Bates, uh, are you hearing that kind of thing from some of the high school uh, young men that you're working with in terms of, uh, hey, this was going to be my way to a scholarship, for example, to, to Cal or wherever it was they were looking at, uh, and this has kind of interrupted that path? Uh, yes, uh, most definitely, man. This is, this is a, a huge deal breaker for us. We, we have a few... Uh, more than a few student athletes that are seniors this year that uh, this was a difference maker in their family. This was going to be a uh, a year to kind of break the cycle of, of, of not attending college um, or university uh, for their families. And I had, a, I had a, some really talented young men um, looking for a senior year to get an opportunity to have some aid um, given to them from universities um, based on their performance on the field and in the classroom. Um, and, and it's, Ultimately, in California, we're, we're at a disadvantage already, being that we have so many student athletes and not that many Division One and two colleges to offer aid versus mid-America in the eastern side of the states that have so many different conferences and universities that have sports programs that offer aid. And a lot of those programs don't come west. Um, so we're already at a disadvantage, even with the full throttle season. Um, now that we don't have a season in the other states, most of the other states are playing sports. Um, they are at an even bigger um, advantage um, over us. I've sent film out from our student athletes to universities in those states. Um, and they simply told me, hey, um, you know, I, you guys are competing with 
kids that play the senior season and I can't really accept the junior year or sophomore year film because it's not as developed as those student athletes over here. Um, so it's, it's heartbreaking uh, or it's, it's a heartbreaker because those, the hope is kind of taken and in, in, especially in the inner city, man, hope is all they have sometimes. So, um, you know. Coach, you mentioned earlier that uh, uh, some, some of the seniors had dropped out. Uh, is that, is this partly because of that, that they, they saw this pathway was foreclosed to them or, you know, and or they got jobs and, you know, they just had to spend their, their time making some money or like what were the what were the reasons that those 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 guys dropped out? Well, out of the four um, on my in my program that dropped out, uh, three were underclassmen and one was a, is a senior. Um, the senior is exclusively um, was exclusively due to work. Um, first generation. um um, um, citizen in the United States, um, you know, the parent has a job in, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, in cleaning business and, you know, they're working full time now and, and making dang near more money than me. So I, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, what's going on, but they, you know, it's, it's work and I've lost a few kids. They didn't drop out, but they kind of disengaged from sports, um, all together. And one kid, um, is a stellar student athlete, um, in terms of well, he has good grades and 3.0 average. And, you know, he has scholarship offers to smaller schools around the nation, um, that don't offer as much aid, but he, he's saying, you know, I don't want to play sports anymore. I just want to f- pursue uh, real estate over the pandemic. I kind of lost my drive for sports. So, and I respect that and I love it, but, um, it definitely hit us pretty hard in terms of, um, you know, the kids' uh, mental kind of drifting in other areas. Yeah. But Well, just one of the many ways that young people and, and others, but in this case young folks, are being affected by this pandemic. Here's a comment from a, a listener, uh, and I'll, I'll have you address this one, Dr. Pandya. Um, we need a little more depth, please, in explanation. The doctor says testing for student-athletes, what kind, what exactly is being tested? Are we looking for infection or monitoring community spread? What kind of follow-up is done? Dr. Pandya? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I, and I think the devil's in the details. I think, in general, the testing is going to be essentially looking for asymptomatic cases, and I think this is where it, things get tricky, and I want to make sure that there's equity among schools, because I think it does place a lot of burden on, you know, individuals like Coach Bates to, you know, identify kids who may be feeling symptomatic and making sure they're connected with healthcare providers. So. The testing will help to identify kids who may not be symptomatic, but at the individual coach level, letting parents and athletes know that if you're not feeling well, making sure you're going to your doctor, having kids who may have come in contact with someone who is COVID positive to make sure they're quarantining. So I think that's where at the school level, each school, whether it be a school like Skyline or schools that are private, um, can make sure that they have resources for these parents and their athletes to be able to understand what they need to do. And that's going to have to take place at the individual level. It's hard for you know larger guidelines based on how disparate the resources are between different schools. Here's a, another listener, Steve, who writes, why is it a priority for athletes to get back to practice and there's no effort for the other extracurricular activities, drama, debate, other activities help students in all the same ways and will likely help them in college and future careers. Um, Coach Bates, was it your sense? I mean, obviously the let them play or, uh, you know, organization that was aimed at sports. Are you aware of other sorts of efforts aimed at just more generally allowing young people in, in school to uh, to get back to some of their extracurricular activities? I'm not aware. I, I Unfortunately, I'm not aware of any other um, initiatives or any other um, push to get things extracurricular activities uh, jump started again. Um, I couldn't really, I couldn't really comment further on that one. I, 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 uh, I do see um, 
I have a bunch of student athletes that are trying to kind of gather, um, use, utilize the Zoom platform and, and, and different other um, or the Skype and, and FaceTime and that type of deal to kind of get people going and um, in, into extracurricular things like uh, book clubs and things like that. But um, just I not the really, same. Just not the same, right? Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the phones. And again, the number if you want to join us 866 733 6786, 866 733 6786. And let's go to Matt in Mill Valley. Hey, thank you very much for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, father of three children. They all play soccer. A couple of them are on swim team. And, you know, during this entire um, conversation, I couldn't agree more with a lot of the comments um, about getting the kids back to play. And also, you know, the person that said about the drama and uh, and debate club. And I'm just wondering, um, I've looked, I've heard Gavin Newsom say that he wants to follow the data and wants to follow science. I have not found at all any information about the actual tracing of cases that were transmitted during competitive sports outdoors. Haven't found it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very curious. Has anybody ever done any kind of study on that? Um, I've seen a lot of theories that it could be um, transmitted, but I have not seen anything that supports that. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel very I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical mm-hmm. that there can be any transmission outdoors. Yeah. And of course, we've heard similar things about outdoor dining, nail and hair salons like show us the data. Where is the data? Dr. Pandya, what do you what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think, you know, now, um, you know, there have been two studies that were in the British Journal of Sports Medicine that have talked about, um, answered this question, particularly that just came out, that looked at outdoor high contact sports and found that there was limited to no transmission from the actual game. And rather, the rate of COVID positive positivity amongst athletes was reflective of what's in the community. So I think now, a year later, and we're obviously learning all this in real time. We know that on field during the course of the game, transmission is not occurring, but it's what's happening off the field um, where the transmission occurs. So I think at least now and under my understanding, we have that data before it was very retrospective in this sport and that sport. But now we have peer reviewed data that shows that. And what about school opening more generally? Because we've seen other places, uh, they do happen to be in more, you know, I would say somewhat more conservative states, Texas, for example. Houston schools have been open for a long time, but so is New York City, uh, Atlanta. I mean, is there any evidence? I mean, the schools, by and large, in California, public schools anyway, are are, are still mostly closed. I mean, is there any indication, uh, Dr. Pondy, that doing that has been the right thing to do? Uh, yes, obviously, a very, very tough question. Obviously, you know, much more different than sports. But I do think that if you look at other areas, they found that particularly for people, kids under 13, the, the transmission rates amongst them are, are relatively low and the kids don't get as severely ill as over 13. So I think that particularly for a K to five, I think other states have shown that that's been safe. Now, obviously, there are multiple factors that go into bringing kids back into an indoor environment, but I think we're getting more and more data that does suggest um, that it's safe to bring back particularly those younger kids uh, into school. Um, so I, I do agree that we're starting to get more and more signs that that could be the right thing to do, but it's obviously very complex and a little bit outside of, outside of my comfort zone to be com- commenting to- totally on that. Uh, gotcha. Let's go back to the phones. Again, the number is 866-733-6786. And let's go now to Oakland. And Scott, you're next. Hello. You're on. Kind of a noisy okay. car you're in, sounds like. Sorry about that. I'm on my way to San Jose. Uh, I'm a football official in the OAL. Uh, Coach Pace, good to hear from you. What uh, Since we haven't gotten any advice from MCS or CIF, 
uh, or the OAL directly, what are you going to do about providing adequate uh, site management, eliminating extraneous or extra people off the sidelines, wearing masks, etc., rotating sanitized balls? What's the OAL plan to do? What do you plan to do there at Skyline? Well, okay, Coach Bates, you're on the hot seat there. A lot of questions, but uh, yeah, I had just little things like that. Like, are you going to switch out balls when it when it goes from offense to defense? Uh, how many people on the sidelines? Uh, how are you thinking about that? Yes, thank you, uh, and and I appreciate what you do. I, I know uh, officiating is uh, and officials are are becoming less and less of a. Um, uh, supported, especially in Oakland and in, in that section, man. So I appreciate all the work that you do and commitment to the league. Um, now the, the OAL, the athletic Oakland athletic league, um, that section is working this week with the uh, legal teams and things like that to kind of get the ins and outs of hours of practice per day. And um, the sanitation deal is kind of um, getting ironed out a little, a little quicker than the other things. But um, now I would have some personal, um, uh, personal, uh, so if they give me uh, guidelines on how to do the ball deal and keep everything sanitized and that's that, but if they don't, um, then of course we'll come up with a, a system that, that hopefully works for everyone and keeps everyone as safe as possible. Um, but the sideline deal and, and um, they're, they're also talking about one scenario is letting two parent or two people per household come to a game. Um, and in the other scenarios, no one would be allowed to come into the gates um, outside of uh, athletic directors and coaches um, and officials, of course. Um, so, yeah, but what, what do you think about that in terms of who can who can sit in the stands and watch? You know, I, I, I'm kind of I, I would lean a little bit more towards filming the games and uh, or live streaming them. Uh, we have the resources to kind of get that done and have the parents watch online or or some type of deal there, I, I would just, you know, liability. I, I just would rather that type of deal this year to kind of finish the spring out, um, yeah. me personally. But, um, you know, we have that, in, and hopefully we can extend the sideline past that, what is that, 25-yard line to kind of spread out the, the young people a little bit more. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't yeah. have any, I know o- Oakland section, we do tr- typically have tr- some people trickle in and, and hang out in the corners of the end zone, things like that. So, well, Lots of um, things that, to consider, right? You just uh, It's all right. kind of new territory for everybody. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we continue, we'll have more of our conversation with uh, Coach Joe Bates and Dr. Nirav Pandya from UCSF. Give us a call at 866-733-6786 if you'd like to join us. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. And welcome back to Forum. We're talking about the resumption of high school sports throughout much of California, about half the counties right now qualifying for that based on their COVID-19 case rate. And uh, we'd love to have you join our conversation, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Or if you prefer, you can get in, uh, get in touch on uh, email. It's forum at kqed.org, or we can always Take your comments on Twitter and Facebook. That's at KQED Forum. We're talking with Dr. Nirav Pandya. He is Director of Pediatric Sports Medicine at UCSF. And Joe Bates, 
head football coach at Skyline High School in Oakland. And uh, before the break, we were, you know, talking about some of the different variables. And, you know, some counties, Dr. Pandya, have decided, including right here in San Francisco, that they're not, even though they're able to move forward, they're not going to take advantage of that quite yet. We actually have a statement from Health Director Grant Colfax, who said this is an area where San Francisco's health order is currently more restrictive than the state's. We're reviewing this new approach by the state to see what changes, if any, are warranted in our local order. What are you? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, this is basically a green light, but some uh, it's not a must do. It's a can do in terms of what counties are, are able to do if they're in these uh, lower tiers. What do you think, uh, Dr. Pandya? What what considerations should a county like San Francisco be making? Yeah, it's it's a difficult question because I know that for you know as as we mentioned, a lot of athletes they hear this news and then they kind of feel at the county level that they may not be able to play. You know, I think each individual county understands their data the best um, and understands the various considerations. And I think that goes back into some of the, the devils and the details is that if the county understands the resources they have to put forward in order to make this a safe activity, um, then obviously that is, uh, you know, what should be following. All right. Let's go back to the phones. And Lisa in Berkeley, you're next. Hi. Um, my name is Lisa Kalar. I'm a pediatrician in Berkeley. Um, I just wanted to have your advice on the kids that we're seeing in the office who have been so COVID compliant. They're really doing everything they can to be safe. Um, And uh, to be honest, having a really hard time from a mental health point of view. Uh, We're seeing a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, but they're also really nervous about going back to activities that aren't 100% safe. And so I really think it'd be a great idea for them to get back into play, though, and back into school, even though it might involve some more risk. But they're very reticent after hmm. having towed the line so carefully for the last year. Yeah. And so to give this new message for some of them feels really overwhelming and like they're putting their family and themselves at risk. Yeah. Well, of course, nothing is 100 percent safe, including driving to school on a school bus. But Joe Bates, one aspect of this uh, jumps out at me, which is, you know, a lot of athletes have not been playing. They have certainly not been practicing with their team for the better part of a year. And so you're, I'm assuming that people are not going to start like going 100% full tilt as soon as they come back on the field, right? How are you going to phase in competition so that it's both safe from a COVID point of view, uh, but also from physical injuries? You know, that was one of my biggest concerns because um, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work putting together a practice, a game, and, and, and after-school curricular or after-school activity in general. But um, now with these new guidelines and things like that to keep kids and players and uh, coaches safe, um, it's going to be a lot. It's going to it's gonna be a lot to kind of uh, strategize and figure this out. Um, we're going to meet as a, as, a dist- or as, a, as a league, a section, um, and also a coaching staff to kind of figure out exactly how that's going to look um, but it will look different and um, we want to definitely ensure the parents um, and the community and the district that we're going to do our part so um, that, that's all I can pretty much say right now because we're still in the process of strategizing that how that will look but um, we're definitely um, trying to figure out the best way to get that done and, and also give them the same experience or similar experience. And Dr. Pandia, to Lisa's question, the caller, uh, in terms of reassuring young people that, you know, they're not doing anything wrong, that they can do this and still be safe, not jeopardize their parents and grandparents and siblings and so on. What are your thoughts about that? 
No, that's, that's a great question. And I think the number one thing for a lot of these kids to understand is that, you know, as I mentioned before, rates are lower in the community. So the chance of actual spread occurring is much lower. And then these actual activities, we now have evidence to say that on the field, the risk of getting it is low. But the thing that's really, really important that these kids have been doing is what they're doing when they're not on the field. So still social distancing, still wearing those masks, the things that have got them to this position and hopefully not had anyone in their family be infected, they still need to be doing in that time they're on the field is safe, but everything else still needs to take place. And I think that they can still maintain that vigilance and engage in a safe activity. And what are your thoughts about that other question I put to Joe Bates about, uh, you know, ramping up uh, slowly to prevent injury? You see people on the other end of that equation once they've broken something, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and that is one thing that I am I'm actually really concerned about is that, you know, you have these kids who haven't been very active for a period of time and now suddenly there's this anxiety to perform or, or you know, do well, get that scholarship and their bodies may not be ready for it. So I think it's important for these kids to understand that and for parents and coaches, and I'm sure individuals like Coach Bates really understand this, is that go slowly and then make sure you're not going to get those injuries. And we saw early parts of the seasons in professional sports where there was an increased rate of injury. So I think it's important for expectations and training to be ramped down a little bit and then slowly built up as the season goes on. All right, let's read some listener comments here. AJ tweets, outdoor transmission is rare, but it happens. Also, the NFL did a lot of contact tracing and testing. Professional sports have modeled good testing, contact tracing, and quarantining. Uh, definitely, there was uh, there were definitely some uh, standout uh, games. And I think, uh, is it uh, Dr. Pandya, was it the NBA? It was one of the leagues had more problems than others. And some, like baseball, I think, played most of their games in one place, whereas uh, one of the other leagues, they were more traveling around football, I think, for sure. Uh, any, any thoughts about that in terms of traveling from, you know, even in high school, from one field to another, from, you know, games, you know, how, how do kids get there and so on? Yeah, and I think that's where we have, that's where the vigilance really needs to stay stay together. And I think part of the guidelines is, you know, they they talk about where, you know, teams can only play someone in an adjacent county that has, you know, an appropriate uh, transmission rate, um, making sure that during the travel to the games that that's, you know, people wearing masks, et cetera. So that's where I think we need to be really vigilant about is how are people getting there? How are they traveling? Who are they interacting with? And then all the other things, the contact tracing, the testing, making sure kids know where to go. And that's making sure that all schools have the same resources. And it's not just on people like Coach Bates. It's athletic trainers that may be at the school or the the medical staffs, et cetera, that are really on board with making sure that every kid who may have symptoms or maybe have questions has the resources to, to be answered. And, and Joe Bates, what about vaccines? I mean, there's a lot of talk now about getting teachers vaccinated. What about uh, coaches and assistant coaches? Yes. So the league had uh, they they put us on uh, a priority list as well with the teachers um, to get the vaccine if we choose. Um, now we do need to get tested weekly. That's that's you know we've talked about that, but um, the vaccine. Um, we've definitely been put on the, the priority list to get vaccinated as soon as we, we choose to. So um, I think that, I mean, I, I, you know, we all talk about the kids, the kids, the kids, but definitely the coaches and some of our coaches are a little older. Um, it's a senior citizen status. So uh, we definitely, I know they're high, at higher risk. Um, so, you know, we definitely taking those precautions and, and delivering those opportunities to those coaches uh, for sure. But if I may chip in on that last topic, um, we're considering Saturday games um, and having the, the kids take uh, uh, their part, get their get rides from their parents to the games um, if it gets that far. So that that's kind of how we're kind of moving to transportation versus the buses. 
Yeah. All right, let's go back to the phones. Again, it's 866-733-6786. And let's go to Luke in San Anselmo. Hey, Luke. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask a question around um, adult recreational sports. Um, as it was stated, it would be reopened as well. And I'm just, it wasn't 100% clear if the guidelines that you guys are talking about very clearly would be the same or tougher. <clears throat> and it wasn't clear either if the weekly testing would be also, they say, quote unquote, paid for by the state. Mm. Um, so those are a couple of questions. And I'm also curious as to why soccer is not in that first list, selfishly. Uh, yeah, that's a, oh, those are all good questions. Uh, Dr. Pandya, what about soccer? Um, so I think, you know, in, in terms of soccer for testing, I think that the, the general thought is the degree of contact that occurs with football, rugby, and water polo. So it's the, you know, almost intentional, you know, you're, the part of the game is actually making physical contact. So I think that's the reasoning in terms of why testing is not necessarily, uh, you know, needed for soccer, where there is some degree of contact, but not the same degree of contact. Um, so I think that's the main point for that. And, and so soccer has been allowed already, is that right? I mean, along with like tr- track and field and golf and tennis or no? Uh, from my understanding, no, because it's considered kind of that outdoor high contact sport. So soccer was not necessarily allowed from a, from a, you know, from a school-based setting currently. Okay, but, but it will be now or not? It will be, yes. So it, it's in the outdoor high contact list, okay. uh, along with football, rugby, and water polo. And the the one differentiating fact is that unlike football, rugby, and water polo, they won't require the weekly testing. Um, but as long as the case rates, uh, you know, under that 14 per 100,000, soccer will be allowed. And then what about uh, the caller's question about adult leagues, uh, master leagues, and that sort of thing? Does this apply to that? It's a great question. You know, there was in the, the CDPH release, they did, you know, talk about adult recreational uh, sports, but there wasn't as much guidance given about that. So I think that's something that uh, will need some further clarity as, as a lot of these adult, uh, adult leagues get going. And then just, of course, I mean, you see a lot of like just pickup games, too, in, in parks and so on. That's, that's a lot harder to regulate. Absolutely. He has much, much more difficult. And Joe, in terms of the testing question, who's paying for the additional testing that Skyline will have to do in the other high schools? From my knowledge, uh, the state, uh, from my knowledge, I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. But you you don't think it's going to come out of the school's budget necessarily? No, I I don't believe so. All right. Uh, Well, let's go back to the phones and we go to Napa and Julie, you're next. Hi, um, my daughter plays volleyball, and as I was reading the regulations, it looked like the mask wearing is variable, and I was trying to find um, data on rates of transmission around the country for lower contact but indoor sports and couldn't find anything, and so I was concerned that mask wearing is could, under our county, maybe be considered optional hmm. um, for the sport. Well, so doc, I and, was wondering if the doctor had any. Yeah, and, and I think is volleyball, I don't think volleyball is included in this, is it, Dr. Pandya? Volleyball is in the, the minimal tier yellow, kind of the, the yellow tier. So it definitely um, is not allowed under the current, uh, you know, current guidelines based on the, the case case numbers. Um, but I, I do agree that the, the mask wearing, you know, some of the studies have shown that if you're wearing a mask, an indoor, wearing a mask during an indoor sport, it does more more replicate in outdoor sports. So the risk is, is somewhat minimal. So I think that I do agree that I've heard a lot from volleyball players as to, you know, we're not making physical contact. If we wear a mask, can we play? So I, 
my guess would be that volleyball maybe is something that may over the next couple of weeks be allowed indoors. Um, but obviously, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the CDPH says. And, you know, we're going to be seeing potentially, because it all depends on whether uh, counties are below that. I think it's 14 COVID cases per 100,000 per capita. Uh, so you you could, uh, Joe Bates, you could see a situation where, like, I don't think right at this moment Contra Costa County meets the, the guidelines, but they might after the next round of statistics. So how are you going to deal as a coach? How are, how are teams going to deal with this possibility that, you know, a county next door might fall in or out of the uh, the green light there to play. Um, is that is that in terms of uh, competition with? Us? Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for, for right now, we're, we're just sticking to um, the our either the section. So we're we're lucky enough to have a section that's just only city schools in Oakland. Um, but those schools like Richmond and and schools in Venetian, those type of like Contra Costa County and that deal, they play their section as teams scattered around that county in different cities. Um, so that that'll be a huge issue for them um, to kind of iron out. But um, uh, we're just sticking to the inner cities, the cities, the schools in, in, in the city of Oakland. So we don't have to travel much at all. Yeah. And are you going to try to have some sort of I know it's going to be a very compressed season, but are you going to try to have some kind of a you know playoffs and a championship? Uh, well, well, how how the, the commissioner league commission commissioner of the Oakland Athletic League has it ironed out now is um, he's hoping to get approved a five game we are six teams in Oakland six public schools in Oakland the five game season and um and one one like little uh seeded game or whatever you want to call it but of course the one verse two would be the unofficial championship um you know that's kind of how he had his, has it lined up now yeah all right let's go back to the phones again it's 866-733-6786 and we go up to Santa Rosa Joe good morning good morning how do you do and thank you for this topic today sure What's on your mind? Um, I have uh, a student who is a swimmer, and um, we are wondering what the thoughts would be of why um, a positive test was, was, we had a positive test on the team. The coach uh, said we had to come back with negative tests and then begin a 14-day quarantine. Wow. Sound, you know, I think, I think we got the gist of the call. There sounds like there's some noise there where you are. Uh, let me see if we can uh, hold you until maybe that noise goes away. But in the meantime, Dr. Pandya, what are your thoughts about that swimming? And I'm assuming we're talking about outdoor swimming here, not indoor. But uh, how do you deal with that? If there, or how, should, how should teams deal with that if there is a, a positive test result? You know, you know, I think the number one thing is, you know, when that, that test result is positive, then it's important, number one, um, for that individual who's positive to, you know, quarantine. And then anyone who is in contact with that individual then then do the 10 to 14 day quarantine um, and follow the guidelines from the state. And I think that's that's where things are very critical is making sure that everyone's informed and uh, understands that. And then really following the guidance of, of the physicians who are taking care of those kids and, and the public health department as well, too. And Joe, I don't know if you're still with us, but does that respond to your question? Oh, there's, um, there's that it, I, equipment yeah, again. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, <laughs> it'll be off in just a second. Um, it, no, okay. So yes, the following the guidelines is easy enough. Following the doctor's orders, the coach is requiring a negative test and then beginning the 14-day quarantine. Oh, I see what you're saying. So bo- even if you test negative. Um, is so that you yeah. get your negative test, and then the request is a 14-day quarantine after a negative test, which, well, in my mind, that just exposes 14 days of 
potential exposure. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, in between the uh, you know that positive test or that yeah. negative test. Well, and Dr. Pundy, I thought I thought the quarantine period was down to ten days anyway. But but apart from that, uh, is that a little excessive? Do you think to have require that after a negative test? Well, I think, you know, in general, you know, the, the, the general thought is that one negative test, you know, if you potentially were exposed to the virus a couple of days before and your viral load is low, um, you could still potentially be, you know, symptomatic later on or transmit it. So, you know, I think in the name of safety, under, you know, it's, I always err on the side of being safer in these situations um, in, in doing the quarantine. Now, obviously that, you know, as we get more, you know, information and community rates change, that may shift just as the quarantine period has. Uh, but I think it's better to err on the side of safety right now and and uh, make sure there's not transmission. And then, Dr. Pony, what about other younger kids? Uh, this is this These new rules apply mostly to older kids, uh, teenagers, high school, uh, middle school. Uh, when will when should parents expect like you know play yards to open up in schools uh, places where kids can go who are you know uh, you know under the age of uh, twelve uh, to get some outdoor activity with their friends? I think it's the appropriate time for that to happen. I mean, I think in general we know that the the you know ki- you know child to child transmission is low and even lower amongst that lower age group. So I think that if kids are masked and they're out there playing, I think this is the right time for kids to be able to get out and you know get that mental health, get that physical activity that they need. Um, as long as everyone's being safe and understanding that they're not bringing kids out there who may be sick. Almost at the end of the hour, Joe Bates, what are you looking forward to most at getting back on the field? Uh, as crazy as it sounds, I'm looking forward to this this team photo. <laughs> Being able to take a team photo, man, and, and give these seniors something to be, you know, something to hold for the rest of their, their lives, man. So that's pretty much what I'm looking forward to. And, um, you know, just seeing a boy smile, um, that's pretty much it. That's great. That is one of the rites of passage from high school, right? The high school senior picture and the sports photo. So good. Well, I uh, hope it goes well and hope these new rules work for you. Joe Bates, thanks for joining us. Thanks also to Dr. Nirav Pandya from UCSF. And thanks to all of our listeners for their comments and questions. Very much appreciated. I'm Scott Schaefer here all week long. And stick around for the next hour of form. Rachel Myro will be here for Mina Kim. And uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening 
because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.